So I'm going to share something with you that uh, you are probably going to judge me for, and you're probably going to think less of me for, but I still need to share this with you. So uh, throughout this season of social distancing, my wife and I have decided to start uh, a new tradition. So every uh, single evening, well, every day, we wake up, we get ready, we go to our office. We each have an office at our house, and we work from about 9 to 5 o'clock. Uh, sometimes we have meetings in the evening, so we have those Zoom meetings, and uh, after we're done, we make dinner, we sit down on the couch, we watch TV, and we pick a different episode. We would watch something different. So uh, you're not going to judge me for sitting on my couch. You're going to watch, you're going to judge me because one of the shows that we're watching right now is called 90 Day Fiancé. And it is an absolutely horrible show. I mean, the, the, we obviously like it. It's one of those shows that if you start watching it, you want to keep watching to see how uh, the story ends and how the loose ends connect. But overall, it's a pretty bad show. I don't uh, ever get any smarter after watching that show. But there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in that show. So if you've never seen it, here's the premise of it. There is uh, about six couples, uh, maybe five. There's about six couples, and one of the people in the couples are in the U.S. So uh, there's a lady from Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a person from Nashville, all over the country. And uh, they have found a uh, significant other. Uh, some of them have been through Instagram, uh, dating sites, online websites, dating websites, like they have found their uh, significant other, the person they're going to be with the rest of their lives. And the whole show is about them finally meeting face-to-face -face and that journey of getting to know one another before they get engaged and married. And so it is, like I said, it's trash TV. It's not a, a show that makes you any smarter, but for some reason we choose to watch it all the time, every night. So we decided uh, last week that we needed to slow down and we decided we're just going to watch one episode per night. One episode uh, while we eat dinner, and then we can go to bed. And so we've been doing that. And so Monday, we sat down, and we watched an episode. And each episode is about an hour long, so we really can't watch that many. But we sat down. We were watching that episode, and it was just really intriguing. I mean, the end just caught my attention. I want to know how things were going to end, if uh, a certain couple was going to stay together. I wanted to know if one of the guys was real. Like, there was just so many questions I had. And so Monday night, we were like, oh, let's just save that episode for tomorrow. Let's save the next episode for tomorrow. Well, Tuesday comes along, and we each go to our offices. We work all day. Susie had a late-night meeting on Tuesday, and it was about 9 o'clock. We decided we're going to finally sit down and watch the next episode. And so I get my remote, and it's one of those voice remotes. So I say, 90 Day Fiance, and it comes up, and we hit play, and the episode starts. And Susie and I look at each other, and it's like, did, did we see this yesterday? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we did. And so we keep uh, fast-forwarding and fast-forwarding, and about halfway through the episode, we realize there's something wrong. This is the exact episode we watched yesterday, and so we go back to the main menu, and we realize that there are no more new episodes. You see, it's a live show. It's a show that's uh, live on TV right now, and so they don't put on, on demand the episodes uh, until a week later. So we can't watch the next episode until this coming Sunday, until Easter Day. Uh, that, like, we were so looking forward to this show, and now all of a sudden we have to wait five days to watch it. Now, uh, I know you're thinking I'm being petty and I'm being silly and I'm being dumb, but I really want to know how this story ends. I really want to know what happens. I really want to see these loose ends get tied up, but I have to wait until 
Sunday. I hate waiting. I hate waiting. Waiting is hard. Have you ever had to wait for something? Have you ever had to wait for something and just waiting, just, just waiting? You don't know what's going to happen. It feels like it takes forever. Waiting is so tough. But you know what I think is even tougher than just waiting? I think it's tough when you've been waiting for something for so long and you finally get to it and then you realize you have to wait some more. Tuesday, I thought I was finally going to watch that episode and, and then I realized I had to wait some more. But, but let's take something a little bit more serious. We thought we were going to launch Mid-City Church on March 15th. And then we were told, well, maybe Easter Sunday we can launch. And we get here and we still have to wait some more. Waiting is tough. Especially when you thought you had waited all you needed to wait. And then you have to wait some more. There's a scripture from the Gospel of Mark that I really love. There's this guy who has to deal with waiting. Why don't you take a listen? When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph brought a linen cloth, and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. So in this story is a guy named Joseph, and uh, Joseph, we're told, is a member of the council, which means that he was one of the religious leaders of the time. It means that uh, he was a, a leader among other people, and he was really well-versed in Scripture and knew a lot about God. He was one of the council members. And we're also told in the Scripture that uh, he was going to Pilate, and he was going to ask for Jesus' body so he could uh, offer a proper burial. So he was going to place Jesus in a tomb and roll a stone over it, and, and it was going to be a proper burial for, for Jesus. And so we're told that he's doing all these things, but there's something interesting that I hadn't really caught before in this text. You see, Scripture tells us uh, that as he was going to Pilate, he was waiting expectantly for the coming of the kingdom of God as he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. Now, you have to understand, right? Joseph was a, a well-versed religious guy, and, and that meant that he understood what it meant for the kingdom of God to come. It meant for them at that time that Rome would finally be destroyed, that these oppressors, this oppressor that they've had who was uh, controlling their way of life, who was telling them what they could and couldn't do, who was limiting uh, the life at its fullest, it, the kingdom of God meant that that would go away, that life would be what it was supposed to be, that life would go back to the way things were supposed to be. You see, he understood what the kingdom of God was, and it was very good news. And so we're told at the beginning of this text that he's waiting expectantly for that to happen. He's waiting for the kingdom of God to come, for Rome to fall, for, the life, for their life to go back to what it was supposed to be all along. 
I don't know about you, but I can relate to that oh so well right now. I feel like every day I wake up and I say, God, just come already. Come and stop all of this. Every morning I wake up and I say, God, I just want our life back. I want all of this to go away. I want to stop letting COVID have so much control over how we meet and where we meet and, and so many people getting sick and, and I'm, I'm so tired of all this, right? I want the kingdom of God to show up because I'm tired of, way of life the way it is right now because this is not the way it's supposed to be. But we're waiting. We're waiting for the kingdom of God to come. You see, I don't know if uh, Joseph really bought fully into the idea that maybe Jesus was the one who would bring about the kingdom of God, but we get the sense that he maybe uh, believed it a little bit. Because he goes and he gets Jesus and lays him in the tomb. And I wonder if, as if he's, uh, while he's doing that, I wonder if hope is dying inside of him. I've been waiting for the kingdom of God to come, and I thought maybe Jesus would be the one to bring about the kingdom of God, but instead, I'm laying him in a tomb. He's been waiting for the kingdom of God, but now he has to wait some more. Because on this Good Friday, Jesus is dead. And maybe Jesus wasn't the one who was going to bring about the kingdom of God. He finds himself still waiting. Can you believe we've been in this uh, social distancing for over a month now? And, and at first they said that we would be back in our, uh, to our normal life by Easter weekend. And we had so many great plans we were hoping to maybe launch Mid-City Church on Easter Sunday. We, we talked about our main campus opening up the sanctuary on Easter Sunday. We, we had so many plans because this was going to be the weekend when we would gather again, when the collective body of God would get together and we'd get to do church like we used to, and we'd get to go out and do missions into the world where this was supposed to be the weekend when things were going to go back to the way they were supposed to be. And here we are at least a couple more weeks, maybe a whole nother month, waiting. I wonder if Joseph's hope was dying as he laid Jesus in that tomb. And I wonder if on this Good Friday, your hope is dying as we lay Jesus in that tomb. I wonder if this, on this Good Friday, you're getting overwhelmed by the way life is right now. You're, you're getting overwhelmed by the way things are shaping out to be. You're getting worried and you're getting scared. I wonder is if, as we continue to wait, if the worry and anxiety continues to rise and our hope begins to fade away. You see, I think the promise of Good Friday is that even though Jesus is dead and is laying in that tomb and the stone is being rolled over it, we are called to still hold on to hope. 
Darkness may be strong. Hope may be struggling. But I know without a doubt that God eventually wins. It just might not be tonight. And whatever it is that you're struggling with, remember that God will always win. Keep holding on to your faith. God will always win. It just might not feel that way tonight. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you you are the giver of all hope. And God, as we go through this season of life, it is so easy to, to feel like we are running out of hope, to feel as if we are closing that stone, we're rolling that stone over your tomb, and, and we're closing the stone over hope as well. God, waiting is so difficult and can rob us of hope. But God, tonight we claim that you are the giver of hope. And even though that tomb is closed and you are in it, we hold on to hope. Hope that this will not defeat you. Hope that this is not the end. Hope that the kingdom of God will come and things will go back to the way they're supposed to be. And while we wait, you are still in control. God, we give you thanks. Amen.